0: a builder did go under and left me with a half-built project and that was probably the most challenging that I've, I've, I've been faced with,
1: yeah. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you. Amazed that we're now getting towards the back quarter of the year. It's nice coming out of winter. We've got some nice, warmer, sunnier weather in Melbourne, which I'm really enjoying at the moment. Got a great show coming up for you today with a guest that I know you're going to enjoy. Just before we get to him, here's a quick update from me about what I've been up to On my Cambridge Road project, the big news is that we finished off the driveway for this week, which is really exciting. It looks fantastic, and that should really improve access for the project, and it certainly makes it look a lot neater as well with the driveway in. So we've got the finishing trades moving in now, which is good, and I'm hoping we can make a run to the finish line. On my other project, we formally received our permit from the council, so that's great. Always nice to get that official stamp. And we are full steam ahead towards getting the subdivision done now, so uh, all guns blazing on that front. A couple of quick promos before we get to our guest. If you want to grab a copy of my book, Become a Million Dollar Developer, you can do that at propertydeveloperpodcast.com forward slash book. There's also the property developer training. If you want to get involved with property development, I will take you step-by-step step through a small-scale property development. You can find more information about that at training.com. And then finally, the quiz. If you want to find out how ready you might be to become a developer, then check out the quiz at propertydevelopertraining.com forward slash quiz. <laughs> A quick plug for the socials. If you want to check out the latest progress of my project, you can find that on Instagram and Facebook generally under the handle of Property Developer Podcast. You can also find me on LinkedIn if that's where you like to hang out as well. All right, let's get to today's guest, Justin O'Donnell from Cielo Property Group. Justin has travelled the well-worn path from small property investor to doing medium-density development projects. Justin has now overseen a portfolio of projects worth over $500 million. In this conversation, we discuss the benefits of growing slowly, responding to the challenges of construction by taking on the building risk, and the perennial issue of obtaining permits from councils. Listen in for why Justin decided to target the luxury end of the residential market and how it differs from other parts of the property sector. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat with Justin. So without further ado, let's get started by finding out what food he would eat until he was sick.
0: I could never stop eating pizza, no matter how sick I do get.
1: (laughs) <laughs> pizza is a popular response actually so I'm... i don't know why
0: yeah pizza is just my go-to food uh the wife hates it i love it she has to suffer i'm afraid
1: yeah and <laughs> have you got a particular type of pizza that you can't resist the meat lovers yeah <laughs> the thick crust or the thin crust type i've actually been going the
0: cheesy crust lately a bit of domino's is, uh, never <laughs> just ever. to
1: double up because <laughs> 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 yeah, there's not enough cheese going around <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I think it's the crunchy and the saltiness that gets me with I think that's what yeah. I've come to. No, anytime you want, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, look, it's great to have you on the show to talk about property developing. As we get into it, can you give us a bit of a background of yourself? How did you get into property firstly?
0: Probably uh, pretty organically, actually. I started up probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh, doing a few little houses, renos and whatnot, um, sort of upped the game a little bit by just going into developments, four packs, six packs, uh, and then just sort of grew from there um, Yeah, organically, I guess you could say, and that was it. So it led me to where I am now.
1: Well, we'll get to where you are now, but uh, where are we talking? Are we, where, is this around Brisbane? Yeah, Brisbane, yeah, yeah always around
0: Brisbane. I, um, I was in Sydney for a little while uh, many, many years ago, And unfortunately, I didn't have two or three billion dollars up my sleeve to do a little four pack down there. So I uh, migrated north and started the uh, new career up here.
1: (laughs) And so, but how did you get into property firstly? What drew you in?
0: Probably uh, mum and dad, actually. They were always uh, house flippers, I guess you could say. And it just got instilled in me probably 30 odd years ago. And I hated it back then because they used to drag me around to open houses every weekend. And now I drag my kids around open houses and deal with them every Saturday. <laughs> so organically grew it through, and yeah, just just sort of got bigger each step of the way.
1: So you started off with, with renovations.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much renovations. Uh, a couple of new builds. Built the first house when I was about twenty, and out in Wellington Point actually. And then just uh, renovations, new builds, and then finally did my first actual development in about two thousand and twelve. I think it was. Yeah, tell us about that one. That was actually a really good one. It was a, a four pack in um, in Belimba, and it d- did quite well. Um, got got hooked in, and then did fours and sixes, and and then block of apartments, and now doing some much bigger stuff. Yeah.
1: And so, I'm just curious about the first project. So, what, why Belimba? Why four units? Why'd you make the jump?
0: yeah it's just a progression. Um, like I said growing, it was it kind of got uh, a of doing just houses and wanted to grow into the actual development game instead of doing just an actual one build to get into uh, more of an actual development. So and a four was a pretty good place to start. It's about as small as you can start. I don't want to um, get ahead of myself and go straight into a a, a fifty lot development. Um, so just learn the ropes that way. And it was it was quite successful. Uh, got got hooked in. So was it
1: just four townhouses or four, four townhouses towns?
0: on Jamison Street in Bulimba, which is uh, actually where our big one is now, bordering on Jamison Street. So yeah, for
1: part of Brisbane to be doing a project.
0: Apart from the flood zone that I got stuck with on the first one, it was uh, it was otherwise pretty good.
1: <laughs> I'll tell us about that.
0: Um, yeah, well, Bulimba is actually below the water table in Brisbane, and it was basically all a flood zone, and I. Um, We got the geotech report in, and it said we're pretty healthy at about six metres, which is one length um, of a screw here. And uh, I found out once we dug down six metres, it wasn't the case. So we hooked another one on to 12 metres. wasn't enough again. Um, Went into 18 metres and finally hit bedrock. (laughs) And uh, all the while, I'm just watching the dollars pour out. But we got back up, um, put the concrete on, and we're away from there. So it was expensive exercise, but it still proved pretty well.
1: So, what were the lessons that you learned from that first project?
0: Um, not, not really. Re- first, it was a lesson because the ge- the geotech just what didn't have it right. It wasn't just couldn't didn't quite have the torque in the group. Is, um, wouldn't say it was a lesson learned. It was just it was just bad luck, really. But looking back now, it was um, still a cracking development. I, I'd do it all over again.
1: And from there, what just decided that you could do it again. Yeah, yeah, he did it all over again, and <laughs> repeat, repeat, and um, it was yeah. Haven't haven't looked back yet. And were you in the same area, or had you gone to a different part of Brisbane, or a different part of uh, Australia? No, I'm,
0: I'm pretty much predominantly. I know Balimba very, very well. It's, it's my little home home ground. Um, I have we are, we've done some stuff too in the Gold Coast, and actually a couple in the Redlands as well. So I have branched out a little bit. But I'd say probably eighty percent of the stuff um, we're doing is right here in the limber.
1: And you said you progressively got bigger. I think you mentioned that you'd started. You did an apartment project as well. But yeah, um, apartment project that was actually one in Holland Park
0: West. It was just a, a sort of a an investor stock kind of one that um, that was built right through the thick of COVID. Actually, that was that had its challenges, but it still proved to be. Um, successful yeah
1: and so what was the thinking behind switching from townhouse developments to doing an apartment
0: it it was actually well it wasn't it's like an investment opportunity really Um, it wasn't anything tremendously sexy like we typically do but it was still a good one Um, it was before i started cielo and it was just a sort of a one-off project um wouldn't go back into it to be honest. It's not really my my forte. Forte is more boutique, um, very high end sort of stuff we do now.
1: Uh, why is that? Why wouldn't you go back into it?
0: Um, it's it's not. I'm more probably uh, on the legacy kind of things. I like to drive past in twenty odd years and and show the kids what I've done uh, if they're interested. And this one wasn't. Um, no, I just wasn't that fun. I'm not into it for uh, the investment side of thing. It's more to build something really unique and cool which is what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah, so how did that come about, that kind of thinking? Uh, how, how did I do the one at Holland Park West? No, you said that you wanted to build legacy stock and is that What's, something that evolved over time or have you had that uh, from the beginning? I've always,
0: always been interested in really high-end architectural um, items. like The one we just finished off now in Valimba, is, uh, it'll be nominated for multiple awards and that sort of gives me a lot of pride. I mean, that's, that's more what interests me is, Something that stands there in 20 years' time and still has an architectural impact. And that's what attracts me.
1: So talk us a little bit through the evolution then from the the, the townhouse projects, what got slightly bigger. And was there an inflection point where you went on going high-end apartments? No,
0: not not really. They're all I've always picked high-end areas. Um, one probably probably because they're safer, but more you can actually you can actually do what you want to do. Like I couldn't go out to a low end demographic area and, and do something like I've just done in Bulimba. Um Obviously, wouldn't be profitable, and you wouldn't get funding anyway. So you've got to stick to the good areas. But it just comes down to that's what you're what you're actually able to do in high end areas, which is what we're doing now, which is like really high end architectural uh, development.
1: So you said that you could you could only do them in those higher end areas. Why is that?
0: Because they're so damn expensive. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so we, uh, yeah, they, they cost, uh, especially with construction rises, they cost an absolute bomb to do these days. So you've got to uh, you've got to get your money returned. So you've unfortunately, yeah, just got to stick to the the high end demographic areas.
1: So the project that you've just finished, what's that look like?
0: That's in Bradell uh, Street in Balimba. That's called Elysium. And it's literally just finished up about one month ago. And that, that was actually built through COVID as well, which once again was extremely fun. <laughs>
1: yeah. And how big so, is it? How, uh, how, many, how many apartments? How, it's, it's, how-
0: it's six uh, home-sized townhouses with a rooftop pool, which has um, extremely nice views. So we just finished it up and uh, each one's got three cars. They're about 300 square metres each over sort of four storeys. Each one gets their own lift and they are um, about 50 metres from Oxford Street. So really good area.
1: Yeah, and what are, what's the price expectations on those bad boys? Uh, they're, all,
0: they're all gone. Uh, sorry, one one was one still remaining. We kept the best one till last and we, we're selling that one as we speak. And that one there is fetching a roughly around about the $3 million mark. And the, the other ones were sold for sort of in the mid twos.
1: So tell us a bit more about the projects. What's the difference? Targeting that sort of higher end customer.
0: It's really just what I what I want to do. Um, I don't want to do low to medium end quality. I, I want to do high end stuff. Um, call it a pride thing, if you will. Uh, not not an ego thing. More pride. It's it just attracts me. I. Um, it, I just love the look of super high-end architectural developments. So everything we're doing now is that. We've got a new one coming up soon, which we're um, sort of trying to go even above that and go like the hyperlux sort of development. So we go extremely high-end. The, the location warrants it. So we feel we've got to, um, got to give it everything that site deserves.
1: And so how do you determine lux to hyper lux or extreme luxury how do you make those decisions and how do you determine just, what the buyer wants just
0: extremely high-end finishes you, you got to spend the money um spend the money to get the money the site's got to warrant it um you've just got to have those high-end finishes and uh, architectural features like obviously Builders hate doing curves, but um, buyers love curves. <laughs> you got to get it right. So the next one's got, um, unfortunately, a lot of curves.
1: <laughs> and then with the selling, are you using an agent or is that something that you do in-house? It, it, it varies from project to project. Like we've got uh, the one on the Gold Coast. Um,
0: that will be used through somebody else. And the one in Brisbane, somebody else again. So we've, um, I, I do tend to stick to only one or two. Uh, don't really branch out too much, um, just try and keep it all uniform and, yeah, that's how I've
1: always run it. And what are some of the key lessons that you've learnt along the way that you're applying to your projects now?
0: Key lessons, um, good question. <sighs> Managing the curves, I guess. Um, I remember back in my first probably six or seven projects, which was sort of uh, from two thousand fourteen to eighteen. It was very hard to sell. It was quite easy to build. Uh, There's a lot of lot of um, trades out there. A lot of uh, no, no shortage of materials. Quite quite easy to build, uh, or easier than now. And but it was quite hard to sell. So you'd often have for a small project, you could have a, anywhere from four to six months of a sell time. Now it's quite opposite. So probably. Learning those curves and um, and moulding to the situations is how you how you learn. I think, yeah, it's, it's it's been quite a. Well, everyone knows the last three years has been quite a challenging journey. And it's uh, very opposite to what it was ten years ago. Extremely, ex- exactly flipped.
1: Yeah, I was saying to someone the other day that usually in the development cycle, there's one part of it that's quite a challenge, but then other parts are a bit easier.
0: It was <laughs> the <course laughs> if, if feels like like last few years. years
1: in the last few years, every part has been really challenging. It's completely opposite to what it was ten years ago. I, it's it's actually
0: flipped. It's it's not easy to sell stuff now. But obviously, one one year ago, it was very easy to sell stuff. Uh, the, the good old rate rise talk, It's um it's made it challenging. But there's still there's still plenty of people out there. Yeah.
1: I would have thought people buying the stock you're talking about probably aren't worried by interest rates that much. No, what's the, I think it's
0: only about 35% of Australia that's actually got a mortgage, so the rest don't. And I think a lot of those guys probably made a lot of money through COVID. And, the yeah.
1: and there's been a huge number of transactions that have been cash-based in the last 12 months as well.
0: Yes, yeah, in particular down south. There's, um, there's a phenomenal amount of transactions in, in Sydney and Melbourne every single week. Um, and they've done very, very well through COVID.
1: And so what about yourself? What have you learned about yourself along the way, Justin? Oh, Next question, please.
0: <laughs> um, uh, fortitude is probably the only word. How, how to get through um, the last two or three years have been uh, very, very challenging, yeah, very challenging, it, it, only, only to do with the builds. The builds is what has been the most challenging part of the last two or three years, and that's um, – Lot of fortitude
1: <laughs> and so what have you been doing to to get through that
0: uh what's best patience i'd say Patients, you can't um find when you're when you're dealing with the trades now because there are a lot less of them they've all gone off into other worlds like they've probably become surgeons or something like that now um it's very very hard to deal with them you've got to be very uh cooperative with them. Uh, you can't be demanding or pushy. They'll just tell – they've got the the keys now, so they'll just – off to the next job they go. Uh, that's probably the one thing, yeah. Anything else? That's probably the one – that's probably 99% of it, I'd say.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The You do definitely need fortitude in property developing. And yep. then that, the question of patience is always an interesting one because – it's a fine balance between being patient and pushing things along.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's um you can't get pushy. Um, yeah, yeah, Pushy four to five years ago worked very well. Um, you you held all the keys. Now it's not that case. You um <laughs> you've almost got to be the exact opposite way around. So there um yeah, it's work work is starting to dry up a little bit now. There's not many projects moving forward these days. So will, there will be a balancing act in the next one or two years, but it's it should get back to normal hopefully pretty
1: soon. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years because I don't really see capacity increasing that dramatically to bring more supply into the market in the, in the meantime. Can you pick what's going to these... happen in the next one or two years yourself? Pardon? Can you pick what's going to happen in the next one or two years yourself? Uh, I wish I could. I know. I wish I could. I probably wouldn't tell anybody if I could. But... <laughs> I mean, you look at the big picture and you go, well, there's not a huge amount of capacity increase in terms of being able to build more and it takes time to ramp up anyway. And then in the meantime, there's people coming into the country. So you're sort of increasing the demand without correlate, increasing the supply in, um, in relation to that.
0: Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing I've found at the moment. Everything... You've got to allow probably three times the amount of time that it took three years ago to get it off the ground now. Like just everything from your development approval, um, council don't have staff, your your building approvals, everyone doesn't have the time anymore. Uh, it's it's just takes – everything takes three times as long as what it did years ago. So there's where your patience comes from.
1: Yeah, and then you – Overlay that onto the demand with more people coming in, and so all this talk about improving supply, and it's just—I don't see a, a dent happening in the lack of supply over the next three to five years.
0: Easily, no. That's well. It all starts from council. Really, council needs to do something about it. Uh, every DA we go through now is taking eighteen to twenty-four months. Whereas, if you go back ten years ago, I was getting impact DAs through in three to four months. So they just made it that much harder to get things through. But we've got a housing crisis. Why don't they do something there, get a bit more lenient, allow more things to go through, um, then we wouldn't have this problem.
1: Justin, if I get up on my soapbox about councils and permits, I'll be be here (laughs) for days and days, but... Here for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah, this I mean, it's an issue that's been in the making for, as you say, a decade, and it's been known about that no-one has wanted to do anything about it, and councils have just been making it so challenging to get permits that it's just been crimping supply, and now here we are, mm. no supply, and everyone's... Now it's a crisis.
0: Well, they're, they're only working roughly 60% of the time in council now. They can't get the people or the bodies in there to do the work, so... They, they, they were literally working on 60% capacity, which means they can't get approvals through, can't get approvals out.
1: Oh, well, there's probably an argument to be made that they were always working at about 60% capacity, just. Now, now it's 30 then. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, hello to all the council workers listening out there. I'm sure
0: they're listening, yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble now.
1: Oh, and my other beef is just the challenge or the the arguments that get made at council and the improvements that you end up having to make are all sort of at the margins. And so where you end up from where you start, it's, I don't believe, worth it in terms of the time it takes to get it through.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, um, yeah, without saying too much, uh, without getting too much trouble, it's, yeah, it's the challenges are definitely there. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what changes get made. I know there's a lot of talk in Victoria about making changes to planning, but we'll actually see what comes from it. It's
0: like four or five years, won't it? Uh, I would have thought so.
1: Usually there's good intent, but then in the execution, things tend to go a bit awry. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, have you got a situation, a sticky situation, that you might have got yourself into over the years where you thought, Far out. Right, how am I going to get out of this? But somehow you managed to? Dear God, um, pro- probably building us so Yeah, actually, there's
0: one a couple of years back where a builder did go under and left me with a half-built project. And that was the, probably the most challenging that I've, I've, I've been faced with. Yeah, it was um, a very, very tough one. It was to find a new builder to take on the risks of the old builder is um, – is extremely tough. So they have to go back through and check all the work and just it's almost like a renovation. You have to take three steps backwards to take two steps forward. So it was like that and um, I managed to get out of it with some help and it was it was not fun. I don't want to do that ever again, hence why we've actually sort of started a bit of a building company ourselves internally to make that process go away. Mm. But that was probably, that's probably the number one sticky situation.
1: And so what did you learn from that?
0: Uh, what I learned was uh, what I'm doing now is basically becoming, not becoming the builder myself. I, I don't have a building background, but it is um, partnering up with people that are um, more of a united front, I guess. We can show the world we can, we're a bit more powerful now. We can do build large builds ourselves instead of actually engaging with a builder because that's, um, that's also challenging now as well. So it was. If I was in this position, I was now. Back then, that wouldn't have happened. We could have finished it off because um, financially, you, you, you're a bit more powerful than when you unite on the front.
1: So, tell us a bit more about how that works. Uh, well, in this day and age, like this,
0: that situation happened pre-COVID, um, so it was actually a lot easier back then to finish what I, the, the mess I was in. Uh, but now, it's sort of. Worked out favorably because it is so hard now to just just to get a builder on board. Uh, they've got their own challenges, which are I honestly feel sorry for just about any builder out there right now. It, it is they've just got such a tough job. How, how do they even remotely guarantee they're going to make a profit with all the stuff going on? It's I feel very sorry for them. So I've I've gone a step further and basically brought a builder in, actually a team of builders, and we can sort of handle anything now and we, we, we look more powerful on the front.
1: So when you say you've brought them in, what, in-house?
0: In-house, yes, yes. So we do, um, we do the whole modelling ourselves now. So we do everything from, from design, architecture, uh, we do the builds, we, we do the structure ourselves as well. There's not much we actually have to outsource uh, other than, you know, your, your finishing trades kind of thing. We, we build the structure ourselves now. It's just a lot, lot safer position to be in and not having to rely on anybody. Um, to also them to not finish what they're doing. Them to not fall over as well. That seems to be happening a lot these days because it's like I said. I feel so sorry for builders because they're just falling down by the wayside. It's it is very hard for them at the moment. Yeah.
1: And so, what's that been like for you? You're becoming a you become a manager of a builders or builder in house. Essentially, yes, that's exactly what it is. And you don't have a background in building. How does that work?
0: Well, it's more um, I've incentivized them to finish the projects. Um, so financially, everybody's better off um, and we actually get to finish the projects. So, um, yeah, whereas before if you, if you had a builder and there was arguments because of price rises and whatnot, um, couldn't, couldn't get materials, it has always led to an argument. So I'm just trying to avoid that. Um, it's not something you would have done three or four years ago because you would have just finished the project and off you go but now it's, <laughs> it's become challenging. You've got to be very, very resourceful to get projects over the line.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how quickly things can change mm. the developing game from the planning cycle through the building cycle through the selling phases. It's just It's so dynamic. Like I said,
0: it's flipped 180 completely, is not
1: it? Yeah. Yeah, so you've always <laughs> got to be on your toes as the developer, ready to adapt to what comes along. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Which is part of the charm of being a property <laughs> developer, Justin. I'm sure you'd agree.
0: Was this easy? Everybody would be doing it, wouldn't
1: they? <laughs> uh, what about a favourite project? You got a favourite child? The, the favourite one is
0: actually uh, not complete. It's, um, it's, it is DA approved. Uh, the big one on Oxford Street we're doing, uh, we probably start that one off very, very soon. And there is a big announcement coming in the next week or so. Um, can't quite tell you just yet, but uh, yeah, there's a big announcement. And because of that one, because of the announcement, this uh, that was definitely my favourite project.
1: And do I remember correctly you were involved in a... Legal, I'll use the word dispute, but you went to court for to get a permit or something. Which one's that for? Um, I, I don't know specifically. I just thought I read somewhere that you, I could no. be wrong, could be a different person.
0: No, no, different person. Yeah, no, I've never been to court actually. Oh. So I've, I've always, back to the whole council chat, um, I've avoided refusals. Uh, like the plague um, but unfortunately now we we kind of have to because council uh, a taken too long and just aren't flexible anymore so i uh i do actually have two court battles coming up soon or, or mediations if you will but uh no i've i've never gone the, down the court route before and um unfortunately have to do it literally in the next month
1: mm. and <laughs> tell us a bit more about that or if you can what you can not much to say, really. Um, there, it
0: was it was just taking so so long to get a response from council. I'm talking like five or six months for an RFI. Um, it's just it's just too taxing. So you're better off now. Uh, literally, just get a refusal and head off to the down the court channels. So it's it's unfortunate. Where I think probably three to four years ago, you could have mediated your way through it or negotiated and it's got like a favorable outcome but now it's just not working anymore there's no not enough resources in there to uh, allocate the time you need
1: yeah it's sad that it's got to this point but it seems to be happening in most of the eastern states at least that i'm aware of yeah i think think anyone's a winner really when it gets to uh, that point i think down south they're doing it even worse i think they're looking at i think it's
0: roughly three years to get any kind of approval down in the southern states
1: yeah when I first started, I used to allow nine months to get a permit <laughs> um, now. but I've never it's always taken me closer to eighteen months but generally the projects are a little bit bigger but still I mean it just seems crazy that it takes that long to to get a permit for something that you're actually entitled to under the the zoning and the planning scheme that's the crazy part <laughs> And here we are with no properties. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Uh, What's something that you would say that you've done really well throughout your career?
0: Oh, definitely managing the processes. Um, As I said before, moulding the curves, um, getting through tough situations. I've been through a a couple now. mentioned one before. Um, Navigating those processes is probably one thing I'm typically good at um, and never, ever quitting. As soon as you uh, throw all your toys out of the cot and have a little bit of a spit, you're, um, you, you, it all goes all goes down.
1: Yes, so, I've, I've written a, a book about my own developing journey, and in there I make mention that <laughs> you can't crawl up in the corner and cry for too long after you've been. You can get been, half an hour a yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you can go and have a cry for a little while, but you got to pick yourself up. That's just no, nobody else could do it.
0: You are the, um, the king of your own domain, so there's no one else to turn to. You've just got to suck it up and move on. Uh, mold to the times.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, is there anything that you do now that you didn't do at the start of your developing? Yeah, probably
0: doing that whole one eighty flip towards. Obviously, construction was easier back then. Now it's um, near on impossible. So it's 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 really uh, let's call it cutting deals to, to just to make sure you finish off your project. Um, uh, it's it used to be easy. Now it's now it's a lot 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 harder. So just yeah, negotiating deals um, to get the, to make sure you finish it.
1: And how do you acquire most of your sites? Are they on market, off market, a mix? Depends.
0: I don't think I bought one on market for five, five, six years. I don't think. No, they're, they're all off market. Um, my knuckles are burning from door knocking. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, just a lot of door knocking. Um, the last site we did was um, in conjunction with Mark Seitzman at Ray White. Um, he did a lot of door knocking himself. And we managed to get it over the line. It was about a year long battle to get Oxford Streets um, going. Uh, it was extremely tough, yeah.
1: So, was that multiple sites?
0: Yeah, technically about 13 all in one. There was, well, there was the block of apartments we acquired, which had nine units. Um, so, not nine different sellers. That was tough. Um, then we had the one in the middle, uh, which was uh, three different uh, owners, and then the, the one on the left, which was just one house.
1: So three blocks, but with multiple owners.
0: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Th- three parcels of land with about thirteen different owners. Yeah.
1: Well, so just, why? Just because you like to do things the hard way.
0: I, I I just I just I hate a challenge. It's too boring. Otherwise, yeah. It's, what, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> that took about one year, and uh, the legal bill was was
1: quite up there. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get convinced nine people to sell? Uh, timing um, that we. Made an offer they couldn't refuse,
0: I guess. But it, it it did take a lot of time to get it over the line. Um, probably six to nine months of actual, just with that one alone. Six to nine months of doing it, and then the rest sort of all fell into place um, after that.
1: So were those sales subject to everybody else selling? One hundred percent.
0: Yeah, there, there was nothing. There was no development if not if not everyone agreed. So it was it was worth everyone's while, and it. If it didn't, that it, it all fell over here, which is unfortunate because Oxford Street needs a massive rejuvenation and we're we're finally doing it. It's uh it's, it's just it's it's gotta happen. There's not been, I could probably think of only about one uh, one development in the last probably 30 years I can think of that uh that's happened on Oxford Street. There's been no rejuvenations, there's been no no land sold. Nothing's happened, so it's it's right for something to happen and we're finally doing it. Obviously, with a big announcement in a, in a week's time, um, it's finally happening. Well,
1: That'll be exciting. And then did you say you You used to physically door knock yourself? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've done lots of it, yeah. Lots and lots of it. How, uh, that, you know, how does that all, work?
0: That's the routes, door knocking, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> whatever needs to be done. So how does that work? Knock on the door, Hi, oh, I want to buy a, your, your house.
0: A little bit more delicately than that, um, a, bit, a bit more pizzazz, I guess. But um, in a nutshell, yeah, um, are you interested in selling? Um, I've done a few JVs as well where people um, obviously want to maximise their their returns. If you want to maximise your returns, well, come along for the journey. Uh, it's going to take you two years to get the price you want um, or it's going to sit you for the next four years with the price you're trying to get. So you do have to get... Um, flexible if it's a if it's a block of land you you, you sort of can't walk away from um, sometimes a jv does actually work i've done it probably two or three times in the past yeah
1: and so how how does that look we'll give you x price for the land but we won't pay you until what the project's finished
0: that's exactly how it works yeah if, if a block of land's worth five and they want eight um, and it's something you can't you just can't pass up on now the dirt is just too good then yeah you've got to got to cut a deal like that and it has worked in the past and it's been successful um they more than often do get messy because everyone wants what they want out of it and um your time's worth more than mine etc cetera, etc cetera. but that that is sometimes the only way you can make it work isn't it uh
1: well if it's an awesome location you know you do what needs to be done to get a great deal across the line that's right yeah yep uh you mentioned it got messy how you what, is there something you can share with us about that, or no? There's no, no, no real
0: cost there. It's just a lot of, um, it, it can always lead into an argument. Is is the um, unfortunately no juicy cost there for you? It's just um, <laughs> just arguments. Um, I thought I was getting this. I thought I was getting that, but it turns out to be fifty bucks less, and um, it always just more often than not leads to some sort of argument. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what's the best piece of advice, Justin, that you've ever received?
0: Um, probably one that I hand, I hand down now myself, actually, is don't get too ahead of yourself and don't grow too fast. Um, yeah, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm not about to do it. Um, it's, is it growing too fast? Yeah. If someone's starting out now, don't – if you're doing one or two or three projects and you're comfortable but you find something in the fourth project you can't say no to, just say no. It, it Just don't bite off more than you can chew. That's the best piece of advice I got uh, younger younger days and I uh, instill it now.
1: Yeah, well, with prices going up, everything kind of costs more, doesn't it? Sites That's- are a lot more than 10, 12 years, 15 years ago. So all the, the capital required to get going is a lot more significant that, these days.
0: That is exactly right, yeah. And, and lenders these days are jumping up and down because you might allocate 15 months for a lend and now and it turns out to be 20 and people start jumping up and down because of things that are out of your control. and um, it's just yeah leads to trouble down the back end. So you're better off' just not buying up all you can chew and uh, just get one project finished, take your pocket of money and move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, so I've got that happening at the moment, a bill that was meant to take yep. 15 months and we'll be lucky to be finished in twenty four. so are you kidding. <laughs> no I'm not kidding. I wish I was but that's, a story, that one. that's a story for another day. We're about to that one. Uh, that's in um, eastern Melbourne. So oh, okay, been yeah. battling, battling along for a long time. It started during COVID. We've had all sorts of issues with the builder, and I'll talk about more, more yeah. about that in the future. When it's actually, I've
0: heard that Melbourne in particular, there's oh god, not, barely a project stacks up above six or seven percent.
1: It's quite possible.
0: Yeah, a lot lot of the guys um, down that way are obviously venturing up to Queensland because it's the only place a project gets more than that, you know, fifteen to eighteen percent magical mark.
1: Yes, well, the state government has done their best to um, scare away property investors and make life hard for people that build properties in the state. But I (laughs) get on my political soapbox either. Um, I'll be here all day again. any final comments or remarks, Justin, you want to make before we uh, wrap up? No, no, yeah, no, no. I
0: wish I had. I um, I wish I could talk about the big announcement next week, but we're uh, about a week too soon. So
1: <laughs> stay uh, stay tuned. That's okay. Well, uh, let us know what that is and um, we can share it with everybody. But if people want to find out more about you or to get in touch, where can they find you?
0: Uh, off to the website. It's uh, Group.com.au or just our Instagram page, which is uh, Cielo Property.
1: And what any background on the name, Cielo?
0: Um, I, really, I like to think I speak uh, about two or three words of Spanish. And um, so Cielo is essentially um, heaven or sky. Um,
1: but in Spanish, yeah. Oh, very nice. I always <laughs> uh, like it. good the stars. A good name. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Justin, it's been awesome talking with you today. I've really enjoyed uh, hearing about your journey and your lessons. And I wish you all the best for your upcoming projects. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me as well. Great to have you on on the show. See you later. Appreciate it. Bye. See you. Bye. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas, and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit PropertyDeveloperPodcast.com.